Alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been offering news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Auto Trader Echo Park 500 this past weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. And man, uh, it was an interesting day and night at Texas Motor Speedway. You know what? Uh, this We're going to get into this, I'm sure, as we talk, talk more about it. But this was a good reason why you uh, appeal the suspension and kind of back things off for a week. Because you know what? When you're going to have 600 cautions and, you know, use up uh, all nine or 10 sets of your tires. And, uh, you know, you want to have everybody intact for all that. And, uh, it definitely, uh, pays off in the long run that they, they did all that because, uh, the results uh, at the end of the day show that the, the crew chief being there and, uh, all the proper crew members being there, um, really worked out well for the team. Yeah. A lot of pit stops. Uh, so it was crucial to even though, I mean, the team got penalized because of a pit mistake, but still crucial to keep that A team together to pit the car as much as they did uh, on Sunday and uh, just the experience of a crew chief. Now, I know Jonathan Hassler is in his first full time season as a crew chief. He did spend about half the year with the 21 car last year, uh, still the most experienced person they could put on the box and keep on the box. So uh, I said uh, to some folks in our discord, you know, going into this, you know, if the results were good. Um, all of us that were saying it was a good idea to delay the uh, to delay the inevitable here, um, we were going to look like geniuses, and luckily it, it worked out, and we look like geniuses. But it was definitely a rocky road, not necessarily for the twelve team, but a rocky road to get there and to get to the finish in the first place. The uh, the different things happen as the evening goes on, and a lot of it uh, doesn't really deal with um, passing on the track. It deals with. Uh, pit strategies based on the caution following falling when it fell and how many guys were running this strategy versus that strategy and whether or not those strategies came together at the end. And the interesting part is, is, is the strategies and part times that, uh, that Jonathan chose to pit um, really did work out quite well. And then Ryan had a good enough car at the end to get where he got to. Um, would we have loved to have seen a couple more spots at the end or one more restart? Yes. Um, Ryan felt, of course that he had at that point, the fastest car on the track and he probably did. Yep. But once again, this came one of those things about like the bubble that they talk about or that balloon between, between people that affect beach ball effect where they get to them and then can't get around them. Well, that happened and it happened a ton during the day. Um, and, and even at night when, when the speeds picked up with the, with the sun going down and, uh, you know, Ryan was, you know, it was the 31 car he was running behind the last, uh, however many laps of the race yep. and watching his in car, he could get there and just couldn't get around him. You get underneath him. You, nobody got loose. Nobody, you know, they just kind of like, like I said, you get to that air bubble, you can't burst it. And then you just end up losing a 10th in the turn. And then that's it. Then the next two lap or two later, you set it up again. And the same thing happens again. So, um, you know, this is part of the product of the cars being so equal too, but, um, 
you know, overall great night, actually, you know, um, what we see at the end of stage two is going to be pretty sweet. Um, hopefully that'll be something that'll help in the next round, even that extra point. What's kind of interesting is the fact that we, I think both of us and a majority of the fans and the media thought that this race at Texas was like the race where you could control your own destiny, you know, a mile and a half race. Uh, it's going to come down to teams and strategy and, uh, and all the normal stuff, uh, who saw that, uh, potentially we have three wild card races, uh, with the way this one turned out. Uh, and then you have Talladega and the Roval all in this round. So this, this race really wasn't a control your own destiny race it turned into a survival. You get that point swing, um, you know, and I should, I should do that where last week's board versus this week board, and maybe I need to do something like that. I'll show where the change happened, but, um, the board change is, is, is drastic and it's teams that were at the top, uh, like the nine team and then the damage that they incur and end up, you know, um, you know, chases at home watching 60 minutes, um, you know, before the race is over and, um, he's losing a ton of points and all of a sudden he's looking near the cut line, you know, and, you know, some of these guys, uh, had a huge swing just based on that. Joey ran, Joey ran a nice consistent race himself along with Ryan. And all of a sudden now they're up near the top of that board. So, and, and the points are really tight and the next two weeks will be a lot of fun <laughs> for sure. So while delaying has worked out really well for the 12 team, I think it's time for us to stop delaying and get to our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the auto trader echo park 500 at Texas motor speedway. Yeah. I, I was, you know, telling you before we start taping that uh, I got like pages of notes and I, and I really want to try to kind of plow through them a little bit because um, a lot of it is based on the, on cautions and then what they're doing off those cautions. So, um, you know, Saturday's practice, um, Group A again, you know, luckily this week coming up, it don't matter. It's all qualifying this week. There's no practice coming up this week, but um, group A, um, the eight is the fastest in his group. Uh, Ryan was about fourth quickest in that group, seventh quickest overall though. So when they combined the groups, they weren't that much faster in that second group, uh, but he was like point uh, one, six, one back of the three car. So the three and the eight car were the two fastest cars in practice, you know, pretty interesting for two guys who got knocked out of the playoffs. Um, qualifying just doesn't, it doesn't go very well. You know, they, um, they went out three times during practice. They actually brought it in, went back out, brought it in, right. went back out. There were actually a couple spins and crashes in, in, in practice, um, that kind of delayed their practice a little bit. Um, so I don't know what they were searching for and what they did, but, um, when it came time to qualify, it was too tight, you know, tight, 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 as we said, um, at the end of the lap and overall is going to start 14th. Now we've seen in the last month or two, um, this doesn't really matter <laughs> if the balance is good during practice, that's all they're really worried about. And as the race starts, the March forward starts and that that's all that really, really matters. You know, what's good here is that I was concerned that they didn't make the top 10, but uh, as you said, they ended up starting 14th. We've seen this in other times when he hasn't made that top five. Uh, sorry, yeah, I should have said top five earlier. When he hasn't made that, when they combine the speeds, they just go, they combine both sides by speed. And sometimes you could end up starting, you know, 16th or 17th if you were slow yeah. enough compared to your group. So I was happy to see he was still kind of up there, you know, seventh row. That's not, not too bad to start this race off. No, and you look at it overall, um, the six won the poll. So first off, you had a non-playoff guy winning the poll, and only six of the playoff drivers were in the top 10. So only half the guys were in the top 10 to begin with, of the playoff guys. So, 
you know, there were two or three guys behind him in the, in the running order to start the race, you know, uh, of playoff guys. So, um, we get to Sunday, we got, uh, uh, stages of one Oh five, two ten, and three thirty-four. uh, nine sets of tires. They figure a fuel run of like 61 to 65 laps. He's in pit stall 17, uh, which has the 42 in front of him, but in an empty spot behind him. Once again, they, they find a way, even though they they're, they're picking, later in the order, they find a way to get themselves a nice pit, pit stall where, um, they're at least easy in, you know, and maybe set themselves to go around the 42 to get out. Um, and, and, uh, we have, uh, Roger Penske on the radio to start the race, uh, comes on to wish everybody luck. And he does pop in here and there to give a little info or notes to, to the guys that, uh, as the race is going on too, which is kind of cool. Um, I, I, we were talking earlier, I guess the IndyCar car season's over now. So Roger can concentrate on his other, other cars and, uh, he'll probably be there every week. I would think from here on in, um, the, uh, <clears throat> John, uh Josh during the pre-race right, right at the pre-race says the eye, his iPad is overheated. He can't see the timing and scoring right off the bat, which is not good. Um, they're Super there hot there. I think 95 degrees. Yeah. Just, and they don't have any cover up there. And uh-huh. um, the only thing maybe they had going for them was it was overcast uh, for parts of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also kind of insulates things. It just makes it more hot and, and humid and uh, felt bad. <laughs> felt mm-hmm. bad for those guys on the roof, the guys on the, on the track, and the guys on the pits. You know, it's interesting because um, we do, do talk to Josh uh, how, let's say they have a, um, a test session like at Martinsville or test session, uh, at Miami, um, they put them in the press box somewhere for the test session. They give all those guys, you know, there's 30, some 40 guys, you know, but they give them the nice accommodations. But when it's race day and those spots are for somebody else, either somebody paid for them or their media things or wherever that press box is, it becomes somebody else's area. And all of a sudden they kick these guys who are probably the most important guys for safety, and for the racing to help, help the drivers kick them up to the roof somewhere, kick them onto some scaffolding somewhere all the way down into a turn somewhere at some of these road courses where they can't hardly see anything. It's crazy to me how they don't make any space or make any accommodation for what is part of the sport, you know, and Texas of all places has about a mile long, uh, front stretch of sweets. <laughs> so yeah. I, I can imagine with the crowd that you saw there, uh, yeah. That I know the crowd is kind of uh, juxtaposed to this mammoth grandstand that you know probably was way too big even when they built it. But yeah, there's there's I mean that's probably the most sweet set of racetrack that you go to all year long. So um, we get the start here and it settles out into 14th at the start here. Um, <clears throat> and Ryan tells him early on it's the same issues you can't complete into the corner, um, chattering the front. And the six is leading for a little bit here. We get, um, let's see here. Yeah. Lap. Let's see. So he's going back and forth between 15th and 14th here. And, um, lap 30, the 18 passes him. He's 15th. Um, and you know, something happened there. The two, the 20, the two and the 48 end up passing. Um, and Ryan says it's undrivable. <laughs> it just so something happened. We kind of bobbled a little bit because it was too too tight. Um, oh, new too. So yeah, he's talking about having to do a few numbers here, basically, on the next pit stop when they get a chance. Um, 
So lap 34, he's an 18th, the sixth leading. Um, and, but he's just starting to catch the guys in front of him a little bit. They're, he's they're coming back to him. So once he settles into a rhythm, that's the best, best time to watch. Um, these in-car views are pretty cool for that. You know, they see when he's in a rhythm and he starts to, he'll start to gain on the guys in front of him. Lap 38, uh, we get a caution for the 19 car. <clears throat> and actually Ryan's talking about needing to tighten it up a few numbers. Um, they're pitting in 17th, out 17th. The 24 takes the lead on this cycle. Um, Jonathan says, right the window. So uh, take care of the fuel if you can. Six car gets a penalty. So Ryan is actually 16th for the cone. And um, we get the uh, 24 taking the bottom. The bottom ended up being the uh, on the choose all day, the choice for the leader. So the bottom line was actually going to be the better line on restarts. Um, and you can complete a pass a little easier on the bottom line too. So, uh, Ryan takes the bottom here too. We restart lap 45, um, it's up to 16th and the 24 is leading here. The 48, uh, lap 48, um, he passes the 34 gets to 15th and we get a caution for the 18, um, up in turn four <laughs> and, uh, bring a bad luck, bad luck for that team. And I think they asked Kyle, you know, uh, what can they do to end this string of bad luck? And he just said 20, 2023. 2023, yeah. And um, um, based on what happens with RCR in this race, I, I don't blame him. <laughs> um, I wrote down here, good job, Josh, because Josh told him to go high here. And this, because it does kind of happen. Yeah, so like he's squeaked or, by here, man. One or two spots in front of him is where it happens. And the closing rate coming out of that turn, and you're, you're still turning the car, you know, and you have to turn it and figure out where you're going and point it. And uh, he did... Um, keep him out of trouble there and get him up to 14th doing that. Uh, they stay out and the 24 takes the bottom. Ryan takes the top at this point. So the restart lap 55 right away. We get caution for the 47. Um, he's in 15th at this point, staying out again. Uh, the 24 takes bottom. Ryan takes top restart lap 61. Um, within a lap or two is up to 14th lap 63. We get a twofer. He passes the four and the three car up to 12th. Uh, you know, and Jonathan, uh, not Jonathan, uh, J uh, Josh actually says, out of boy. <laughs> I love to hear that kind of thing. Um, at lap 67, he's racing with the 48 a lot here. Uh, lap 73, Ryan tells him it's decent. We just need some track position, you know, and both the guys, both Josh and, and, uh, Jonathan agree with them there. Let's see what they can do for that. At lap 78, we get a caution for the 20 car and the 41 car. Um, they're up to 11th at this point. And Jonathan gives him scenario, maybe splitting um, here because they're kind of like, you know, trying to see what the field in front of them is going to do. So that's what Jonathan tells me. It says, if it splits, stay out. If they all come, then come. Or if they, if, if they stay out, then come. So in other words, depending on how many guys in front of him, you know, come in and uh, you know, Jonathan says, it's up to you, you know, we'll be ready. So it's kind of interesting to hear this kind of thing, but it does um, kind of the way the tire wear was these guys um, were thinking it's not a huge advantage to get four tires. And, you know, as long as they're not going to blow a tire, um, you know, staying out and, and hopefully enough guys behind you end up being a buffer. You know, you talk uh, about him telling Ryan that it's up to him. You don't, we don't really hear that too much. And you hear this multiple times in this race, when they're talking about pitting, he kind of mm -hmm. puts the, the final decision onto Ryan. So I don't know if that 
is a result of a conversation that they had, or if it's, you said, it's just, it really was kind of a 50, 50 almost thing as to, to what they should do. But it was interesting that you had putting a little bit more decision power on Ryan's shoulders in this race. And, you know, the final results um, that happened at the end of the stage ending in the race, they, they all made seem to make the right decisions between the two of them. So um, they do pit here, uh, the top nine stay out. So when they come out, Ryan is actually 20th. Uh, the 24 takes the bottom on the shoes. Ryan takes the bottom also. So we get a restart at lap 84 uh, up to 19th at lap 87. The 11 takes the lead. Uh, Ryan passes the 42 to get to 18th. Um, a couple laps later, we pass the 47 to get to 17th. The five takes the lead at this point. And then at lap 96, the 48 crashes. <laughs> and these things happen right in front of Ryan. <laughs> Some, you know, Ryan's up to 16th on this. Um, once again, Jonathan's like, uh, my thought is, you know, you know, thinking about, you know, because the break is coming up soon and, you know, they end up coming in pitting for right side. So they're going to pit, but then stay out at the break. So Ryan's like, I thought we could have stayed out maybe and got some stage points, but it's kind of interesting because they, they almost raced their way back to the stage points by the end of the break. So it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a tough decision because you want the stage points, but on the other hand, uh, you're looking at the whole race as a whole. Um, they know they're going to stay out at the break and it actually helps with track position. So, um, Ryan, Ryan's only 13th for the choose cone by doing that. So the leader, uh, the five takes the bottom, Ryan takes the bottom, they restart lap one Oh two. So we got a couple, couple laps to the end of the stage here. Um, but the, the restart went, did not go well for Ryan. He got caught behind some things and um ended up 20th uh by that point and the five won the stage and ryan tells him he was tight taking off so there there's something with the launch there they're going to work on um they talk about temps a little bit here but the temps don't end up being an issue later in the day because because of the sun going down later on the rain and everything um so they're staying out moves them up to 12th the 47 takes the lead by staying out uh ryan uh 47 takes the bottom ryan takes the top the restart at lap 112 here for stage two um and within the first five laps ryan gets himself all the way up to 11th and um at lap 122 he passes the five and the 16 another two for uh, all the way up to ninth and uh you know john uh josh does a good job here and all out in front so you know, now it's just focus on what's in front of you. Let's get to the next guy. And sure enough, lap the next lap, they pass the 34 to car and get to eighth. The 21 is leading at this point. So if the 21 had stayed out and, and his strategy worked out pretty nice because he's up there in the front. Um, at lap 136, we had a caution for the 20 car. <laughs> and uh, we're seventh here and it happened right in front of Ryan. Here's another one that just right in front of Ryan and avoided it didn't become part of it, which is good and gain a position too. Uh, Jonathan tells him we're not quite in the fuel window now. So, you know, probably not going to end up having to pit and, um, what they do actually, I'm sorry, they do end up pitting cause they're everybody else is going to have to pit one more time too. Anyway. So yep. they do pit from seventh here, uh, come out eighth, uh, the nine leads takes the bottom. Ryan is an eighth. He takes the bottom. So the restart lap one forty two. And this is a great restart. Um, if you can go back and you've got this on tape or can we go back and watch this at the restart lap 142, he goes low and all the way up to fifth. Yep. <laughs> he just goes around a couple guys that screw up and, and he has momentum. 
Um, then he passes the 45 car and gets to fourth. At lap 143, passes the 43 car and gets to third. Um, Got a rocket so, right now. Yeah, right <laughs> it there. was exciting. I mean, just some great moves. Um, lap 150 uh, is up to third there, you know, behind the one car. And, uh, you know, Josh gets on there and tells him to do a great job. You know, we're catching both the one and the nine, you know, so he's gaining on them. Um, lap 160, Jonathan's talking to him about doing a little fuel save if he can. Everyone is about six laps short. Um, and you know, Ryan's just definitely going to do that because, you know, we're just kind of like, once again, we're stuck here. We're not going to get to the guy in front of us. Um, as long as the guy behind me doesn't really do anything, you know, lap 169 caution for the 51. And this one I wrote ouch down. Um, yeah, the crash happened and then he went down pit road and, you know, about six feet shorter. If he hits that wall six feet earlier, he'll hit the end of the wall and really would have done some huge damage but the worst part is he slides down the wall and you get out of the car not knowing and i i think he messed up his ankle i mean they're not really saying they're saying he was released they're saying that excuse me that nascar review it and probably have him back next week but uh boy oh boy he you know he did not look good when he tried to stand up on and i think it's on an ankle or leg you know yeah, the, it was just such a violent hit. Just the, the first hit that he took, obviously he hits the wall a little bit on pit road too. Uh, one thing that I, I mentioned to my wife was, you know, we we watched the entire race at Darlington from, you know, you know Ryan's pit box. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan was at pit entrance and there are some empty boxes to the right of us and all night long. And, you know, we were guilty of it early on uh, because we didn't, there wasn't really anybody around to tell us no, but yeah. so we watched the start of the race from sit, sitting, not sitting on pit wall, but you know, we had our book, our book bags basically on pit wall and watched the race from there. Uh, and eventually some stewards and people from the track started telling people to move away from the wall. And this went on in cycles, like all night long, like every half hour, they'd have to come tell people to move away. And I pointed at the screen right when that happened. And I said that there, right there is exactly why they kept telling us to move away from pit wall, you know, during a live race, because you don't know what's going to happen, especially mm-hmm. at a place like Texas, where there's not a wall, at least at Darlington, there is a wall that will, that protects pit road just because it's so close to the track at Texas. It's, you know, pretty much open all the way straight uh, into, into pit road where pit road is. So there's nothing to stop the cars uh, to come and actually hit the pit wall. So Mm-mm. very scary. Like you said, just feet away from potentially hitting the edge or that corner uh, where the pit uh, entrance was or to go back into the garage. Um, so who knows what happened then you can only speculate, you know, the car could have flipped or something and hit a pit box, but mm-hmm. scary, scary to see him get out. Um, I, you know, thought it was good news that he was in the care center for a long time and they weren't transporting him to the hospital. So I'm like, okay, yeah. must not be super serious, but yeah, Rick Ware racing, you know, says, you know, they think he's going to be back for Talladega. So it really just depends on, on how he feels, but man, mm-hmm. if you, if you can imagine, you know, like the 48 hit the wall earlier in this race and the car was relatively fine. And he comes over the radio and said that was the hardest hit of his career um, for just, you know, a tire going down and hitting it. I can't imagine what Cody Ware felt. Uh, yeah. You know, he hits a safer barrier, but head on, man, rough. Yeah. Anyway. Um, they're staying out here and Roger gets on the radio, tell him that, the, tell everybody that the 20 is out and that the 48 is six laps down. So it's, he's just throwing a couple things out there about some of the playoff guys and, and the issues they're having, you know, um, so the nine is leading at this point, Ryan's up to second and, um, the top 12 cars stay out. The, the nine takes the bottom, Ryan takes the top 
We restart at lap 177. And here's another one. Lap 185, the nine car loses it and loses the tire and hits the wall and ends up on fire in the infield. And once again, I'm watching the in car and I just see something wiggle in front of him and all of a sudden smoke going past him and he goes past it. And I'm like, well, he took the lead just now. Yep. Uh, but um, not a good thing. And Ryan's asking if he's okay. You know, it is this buddy. And they, he does climb out of the car pretty quickly, actually, because I think the car was on fire for a minute. Yeah. Um, but boy, oh boy, leading the race was not a good thing. Um, yeah, you know, we already think guys. you mentioned some of these cautions before that were leaders. And, you know, this is just another one to, to mark here. And uh, we'll probably talk about the tire issue toward the end of this. But um, yeah. luckily, Ryan, you know, Ryan battled with Chase here at that start side by side for a while. And uh, they kind of rub fenders a little bit, as the two of them usually do. Nothing too egregious. But the nine did pull away. And luckily, he pulled away enough to where it didn't collect the 12 when he had his problem. Yeah, it's um, just crazy. They staying out here, which, is, of course, you're going to stay out. You got the lead now. And uh, they're on a strategy. It should get them near the end. Um, Ryan takes the bottom. Uh, the 99 takes the top, but the one is behind him. So now we got the track house guys in the top top five here. Uh, restarting at lap 191. Um, I, I wrote a note here because I, it's something that's a little bit eerie to me. Um, on the restarts, Josh will count it down and, you know, then then say green, 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 all rolling. Like, like you hear at the beginning of the, of the podcast on that audio and he'll do it. And he'll like, say, you know, this line, this, this line, that whatever, um, when Ryan's leading, Ryan is the control car. There's nothing there's silence. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. I actually wrote that as a note. I'm like, Josh does not call restarts when Ryan is the leader. And, and he literally, you don't hear anything. You're just watching it, you know, unfold because it's whenever ryan decides he's gonna go um so uh lap 194 here the one car is is coming kind of close but then at lap 195 24 and the one are playing passing each other back there so and then at lap 196 we get a caution for the 17 car um so we're going to do another restart lap 201 we've only got a couple couple laps in the, the stage here so ryan's uh, taking the bottom here the 24 takes the top the one is behind ryan um, and we get this restart and the one and 24 are battling for second, which is awesome. Um, they're messing with each other back there. Ryan kind of, you know, checks out a little bit, um, lap two four, the one does get around the, uh, the 24, but by then Ryan's out far enough and, uh, he wins stage two. And I think I tweeted, we needed that. And, uh, 10 points, right? They there. did 10 points plus a playoff point that carries over to the next round. Should they mm -hmm. advance to the round of eight? Mm -hmm. uh, so super, super important. You know, they came so close to getting points in stage one, didn't quite get there. Uh, mm -hmm. But the 10 points here plus the playoff point are huge, uh, especially for a team that came in just four points above the cut line. Um, this was really, really important for this, for this race. Okay. And let's just one moment. I'm going to digress for one second, because we were talking about why we did this thing with, with, uh, appealing the suspension and the crew chief and, and everybody hammers the crew chief when something goes wrong. Okay. Nobody really points out when the crew chief does something right. And I think really, 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 we try to, because we've gotten to know some people and gotten to talk to them. But the reality is Jonathan's call at the end of the last stage, 
even though you think it costs them some points, it did not. It, it gained them the track position they needed within this stage to win this stage. And then also that track position translates later into the race to the finish. So all you guys online who want to fire people and get rid of people and all that stuff, I, I you know, I got, I got some words that I really can't say in public to them. Um, but the reality is, is this guy knows what he's doing and you guys need to just pay attention because when he, you know, when it, when it works out right, nobody goes, Oh yeah, look at that great move. Or that was really smart. No, they don't think about that. And the reality is, is the move that they made at the end of the first stage paid off at the end of the second stage, put him in a position where he needed to be. And then he executed, you know, Ryan executed the driving he needed to execute to get that uh, stage win. So Okay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of strategy went into it. A lot of fuel saving. Uh, there's a two tire mm-hmm. stop thrown in there. There's a lot of just mm-hmm. staying out uh, in there. Um, I, I say it all the time. Like, uh, man, you know, we can, you know, you know, Monday morning quarterback the heck out of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're there live trying to make those calls, I mean, there's a reason why you're a crew chief. There's a reason why you're you're elevated to that that position. And, uh, there's a reason why we're, you know, two guys that just talk mm-hmm. about it on a, on a Monday or Tuesday night and, uh, talk about how things go because, you know, we're not qualified for that. And, um, Jonathan, luckily again, he was here to call this race. Uh, yeah. they made the right decision on that too. So, yeah, the, um, you know, the guy's got an engineering degree from Purdue university, you know, not too many guys can say that. And that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty good thing to have. Um, the, uh, and here, here's, here's what happens because mind you now they've done this and some or certain cars are going to pit because certain cars pitted before the end of the stage, Ryan stayed out to get that stage win. you know, later on, we'll look at the points board and that's 10 points right there winning the stage. They're going to translate to where we are uh, in the playoff standings too. So um, right away, Jonathan tells them, you know, we're going to free it up and we're going to get buried you know, just flat out. We're going to, the guys who pitted right before the end of the stage are going to stay out. We're going to have to pit now. Uh, we're also going to be waiting on fuel um, because this way, this next stage, we're, you know, the number of laps in the stage that, you know, they're going to know they're going to have to pit a certain amount of times. If they fill it now, maybe depending on where the cautions fall, they won't have to take as much fuel on one of those pit stops. And that'll save them time and track position. Also um, the 34 is one of the cars who stayed out and he leads taking the bottom. Ryan is 21st for this choose. He takes the bottom, the restart happens. And, uh, then we get our caution for the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a possibility, you know, Bob and some of the other media folks had been tweeting, you know, some radar images, uh, race weather. And I think there's a couple guys that, that actually do forecasts for the race. We're basically saying that it, it kind of was very reminiscent of what happens at Daytona was that, you know, there's some storms and showers firing up. A lot of it had to do with, you know, just the heat and humidity and you could see stuff on the radar, but they said there was no guarantee as to what, you know, would actually turn into uh, into rain. So, but yeah, here, here it happens. And they said they first felt some drops on pit road and Ryan actually came over the radio and said, like, I don't what are they talking about? I don't, I don't see anything. And then he gets mm-hmm. into turn three or one or two or three and four. And he's like, Oh, wait, nope, there it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it, so this took a lot longer. I thought they would just ride around for a few laps and they'd be good to go. But this actually yeah. turns well, into a lengthy thing and you can tell them why it got oh, yeah, lengthier. Something, something changes in a minute, a couple minutes here, but um, so yeah, Jonathan and Ryan are discussing staying in it with all the cars having issues so far. So it's another thing, you know, to tell your driver, Hey, you know, don't go too crazy. Don't gamble on some of these restarts as much as you, you know, you want to, uh, because being in the race is, is worth as much as, 
uh, you know, you know, being you know, better than being crashed and, and a couple guys have crashed. So uh, lap 220, we get the red flag uh, for the rain. The drivers can get out. But at uh, 6.53 Eastern time, literally while they're interviewing Ryan um, on TV, <laughs> there's uh, the lightning strike. And yeah. uh, John, because uh, uh, Josh was on the radio uh, telling everybody else that we got the delay because he gets that that info from NASCAR. Um, and then there's another strike at 7.05. So you reset the clock at 7.05. I, I kind of got online because Jordan uh, Bianchi put something up there about the, the delay. And I said, you know, why can't the people on TV tell us this? Why do I got to go to Twitter? You know, and some guy was smart. Uh, no, I'm not being a smart, a smart Alec. He was, you know, giving a smart answer, which was, you know, they don't want you to tune out or whatever. But yeah, uh, I said, I got the officials. I, I turned my radio um, the NASCAR officials on all of a sudden I listened to them and they count it down. Well, in 15 minutes, it will be clear. 10 minutes will be clear. So, you know, I'm paying attention. I, I change the channel <laughs> if I want to, I, you know, if they want me to stick around, they'll, they'll show me good features and they do, they usually show you good stuff. They talk to who, whoever they can talk to, but um, so when we get back to going here, they get back into the cars. Uh, Roger actually gets on there, you know, and tells them, Hey, we're doing great out there. This is good job. He tells Ryan, you know, and then they end up restarting at uh, 224, and the leader is the 34. <laughs> they say he doesn't have fourth gear. Yeah, they talked about that during the rain delay. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. trying to formulate a plan for that. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem to really affect him too too much here. Um, uh, within the first lap, Ryan gets himself to 18th, um, and 225, 226, 277. The next three laps, he's all the way to 15th. Another uh, rocket ship yeah. <laughs> at this point. He, I mean, I thought it was going to take a while to move through the field. It did not take a long no. time at all. No, at um, 228, he passes the 22 to, to 14th. And then he ends up kind of racing with the one car a little bit here. Um, and then we get a caution at lap 242 for the 17. And Ryan's up to 13th at this point. So, you know. Uh, once again, we get one of these things with Jonathan says, if you can gain five or six spots, stay out. And he tells him everybody has to pit at least one more time. Um, and uh, 13 stay out. Ryan's up to seventh. So he does end up, you know, up there. Um, the five car took two tires. Uh, the four is the leader at this point, taking the bottom. And Ryan in seventh takes the bottom. Uh, the restarts a little wild on this one ends up sorting out to about ninth, you know, just kind of getting caught into some of the traffic there. Um, at lap two fifty, the four leads, he passes, uh, Ryan passes the 14, gets himself to eighth. And then, uh, we get a caution for the four car, <laughs> the leader, not a good thing to be the leader, I guess. Um, and he's up to seventh at this point, the 19, uh, is now leading he, and they're all staying out. Um, they talk about fuel fuel switch, how they're running the fuel switch, um, because they may pit you know one more time and run the fuel out to do it. Uh, the leader takes the bottom, and uh, Ryan takes the top, and he's behind the twenty four and the eleven car on this. And uh, at lap two fifty nine, he sorts out to fifth place. At two sixty two. The five passes, he's back to six. The 19 still leading. And then at lap 269, we get a caution for the 19 from the lead again. And uh, Ryan's up to fifth here. 
And this is where the 24 and the 11 are. I've got fussing. <laughs> they're fussing with each other. Uh, but the, you know, I knew something was going on as it was happening. Um, TV did a great job of showing, going back and finding it, finding what caused it. And then what the end result was. Um, Somehow though, NASCAR says they did they said they had no idea what was going on yeah. until after they restarted um they ran a bunch of caution laps to begin with and i heard somebody say you know why don't they run one more and figure this out you know there's video there go to it ask somebody talk to somebody on television what happened what did you guys yeah. see the 11 was pleading their case on the radio and i'm sure to the official that's near their pit box um, he wanted his position back from wherever the wherever he was when the caution started, and yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't want to use <laughs> ridiculous. I guess ridiculous what the twenty four did because it was a a, a a pound of flesh. You know what they? What's that saying? Um, about a, yeah, a penny, penny for a po- <laughs> penny for a pound, right? You know, so I mean, it kind of was a little too much, and um, luckily it didn't damage the eleven car, but uh, you know. So uh, Ryan's up to fourth with all this going on. Uh, they're in the fuel window now, so they go ahead and pit. Um, and a bunch of cars took either two tires or zero tires. And this is a little crazy, and it doesn't work out for in the long run for these guys. You know, it looks bad because Ryan's in the back in fifteenth, but it's not because of, of uh, you know bad pit stop or anything like that. It's because they, they decided four tires was going to be better in the long run. And as, as we end up seeing is what ends up happening here. Once again, they're right. <laughs> the crew chief is right. Um, so the 47 leads taking the bottom, Ryan takes the bottom. And uh, we restart lap 277 up to 14th. Uh, 278 passes the uh, 40, uh, 47 is leading. He's passes seven. I'm sorry. Up to 13th to nine, uh, 280. I'm sorry passes a 21 up to 12 283 passes a 99 up to 11th here we go 285 passes 24 up to 10th the eight is taking the lead by this point and then uh 292 we get a little bit of a wiggle here in one and two and a couple cars end up passing him back um he ends up 13th at that point but 297 he passes the 43 up to 12th and we get a caution at lap 300 for the uh the two the 47 and Ryan's up to 10th at this point. And actually it was the 47 that crashed and yeah. the two, two tried to avoid him and kind of hurt his day a little bit. Did a heck of a job saving yeah. the car though. I uh, usually take that back to the two's uh, skills and, and uh, sports cars and, and things like that, because, you know, he, he's a good driver uh, and he can handle a car. And uh, unfortunately his tire goes down when he spins. So it wasn't uh how all these other tires were going down that happened to the 47, I think in this crash, but yeah, the two does this. And then he goes, I think he goes a lap down. So it hurts, definitely hurts his finish. And he ran up front for a majority of the day too. Yeah. So um, we're staying out up to ninth. Uh, the one car is the first car of pit road and he's 18th. And some of these cars had to pit um, even though they may have pitted before. Uh, part of the reason you take four tires is you'd get more fuel in your car too. Yeah. So we're able to stay out at this point. Uh, we got a restart lap uh, 305. Um, <laughs> yeah, because the eight was the leader. He took the bottom. Ryan took the top. Um, but and, and the 11 and the 24 are right next to like Ryan. So he's worried about those guys too. Uh, restart lap 305, caution for the 10 car. Um, and Josh lets them know that the 14 is struggling on the restarts. 
So they know, you know, when they line up where the 14 is too. Uh, we're up to six at this point. The eight's leading. He takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom also. Um, Jonathan uh, tells Ryan uh, he has fresher ties, tires than the five guys in front of him. And I wrote that note down because the, the five guys in front of him either had zero tires or two tires on that stop. They were in front of him, yes, but Ryan had actually better material underneath them at that point. Uh, mind you, we don't we kind of run out of laps when it ends up happening here. Lap 310, uh, we get the restart. Um, he does pass the 34 uh, earn that restart, get to fifth. And at 314, he passes that 14 car, gets himself to fourth. Uh, I got a note here at 320. It's just pretty much a silent radio because he's fourth. Uh, he's only 1.85 back of the leader. Uh, but once again, it's what I described earlier about the, the whole thing with the 31 car. He's running yeah. behind the 31. Um, gets to him several times. Like yeah, gets, gets right the, up to right up to yeah, his bumper and just bumper, can't, can't, can't make the pass. Can't complete the pass. Um, so, you know, once again, the eight wins and Ryan finishes fourth, you know, Roger gets on there, tells the job, a uh, great job guys. Great job by the pit crew. I mean, um, it's actually a really great day. I mean, winning the race. once again, ultimately everybody wants to win a race. We haven't won one yet. Let's win one. Um, but, uh, points wise, uh, compared to some of the other situations and we'll get into this. And you know, when we go to the, to the board there, um, we did a great job of getting a finish. Great job getting a stage win, not just stage points, but a stage win. And, um, you know, down the line here, this is going to pay off in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. So we talked about a lot of the cautions that happened throughout this race. We didn't spend too much time talking about them, just that a lot of, a lot of right rear tires were blowing out. Um, one thing to point out uh, is the fact that all three Penske cars didn't have any pronounced tire issues all day long, except for, like I said, the two car had a tire go down when he spun trying to avoid somebody else. Um, uh, it, all you heard all race long on a little bit on TV, a lot on social media, you know, the typical thing, it's actually really reminiscent of what we heard early this season when tires were going down a lot. Um, is that, oh, Goodyear's junk, you know, the car's junk, tires are junk, um, you know, they should be embarrassed, you know, 200 plus uh, sets of tires were changed during this race amongst all the teams, and there's eight tire failures. Mm -hmm. So much like the whole, uh, you know, the wheels are junk, you know, again, NASCAR should be ashamed of themselves for the wheels, you know, one wheel falls off. Obviously this happened to the 12 car under really weird circumstances, but you know, one wheel falls off in a race when, you know, 200 sets, whatever that math works out to are, are changed in a race. So is it really a wheel problem or is it a team problem? Is it, is it really a tire construction problem or is it a team problem? Multiple times during this race, during the, the rain break, uh, Brad Keselowski is interviewed on TV. They ask him about the tire issues that are happening. And he says, equates it to, uh, teams are being aggressive on setup coming off the truck. So things like camber and, and, and shock settings and some other stuff that they don't really mess with too often during the race, um, being aggressive with tire pressures. You know, Goodyear gives the teams a certain tire pressure recommendation, warns them that if they go, you know, below this certain recommendation that they uh, could uh, have a failure. But the teams are in such a small box with adjustments that they can make to get speed on the car, that it's a huge risk versus reward decision. And um, it showed the, the guys that were really fast that got to the lead. And it just happened to be the ones for the most part 
that were that were, had tires that would fail. And the fact that we had a pretty long, lengthy rain delay that turned this race into a night race, um, or at least a late evening race, the, the track picked up a ton of grip, a ton of speed, probably not something that, you know, when they ran their simulations, they were prepared for. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't want to just flat out blame the teams, but I'm not blaming Goodyear and the tire construction. Um, but and then I don't know what, what are your, your those are my thoughts. I, I try to just bring facts to the situation. I try to let the experts do the talking because I'm not an expert yeah, myself. I, but when you hear crew chiefs and drivers telling you what the problem is and what they're doing and why it's happening, I'm not sure how you can just keep wringing your hands at, at Goodyear. I know what's happening is you know we're getting reaction from social media from people like on on their Twitter on Facebook and they're giving you this sometimes an immediate reaction to something where they're just like fired up because something happened and they don't know who to blame or they know, you know, we're going to blame the, what we see, you know, we see the tires blowing up. It must be the tires. And <clears throat> the reality is, is, <clears throat> you know, wait a day or two, step back and, and, and see who says what it's kind of interesting that today. And yet, and even last night, you know, crew chiefs, drivers, drivers who help with setup of the car, you know, are telling you it's this, this is what's happening. This is why, and people are pushing the envelope and, and so forth. And when you, when you look at it, um, some of them are giving solutions to it too, which is kind of interesting, but whether those solutions are work or not, I don't know, but this is the same thing with like safety issues that they've always had over the years. Um, sometimes you don't know you have an issue until it happens first off. And then, um, there are smart people who try to figure out how to fix that issue and develop some things um, to, 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 to make it better. So um, it's something that you can't solve overnight. Obviously, you're already in the middle of you know, three quarters of the way through the season. Um, but it's definitely something that between now and next year, they'll, they'll try to figure out a way to do a better job of it. Um, Goodyear could bring a tire that's just totally hard as a rock, you know, but then what do you get? You get guys, they don't even get any tire change. You know, everybody wants tire fall off. All the drivers will tell you, we want tire fall off because some of the drivers really believe that they're really good at going 30 or 40 laps and maintaining their stuff and being faster after 40 laps than, than half the other guys because of how good they are at, at driving their car. And then, then that's what they want to do. And they want to see guys who, once the tires fall off, are a little slipperier and how they handle it. And how, if you take the air off somebody a little bit and it's a little slippier, what happens, you know? Um, But they can't do that just yet because they know that they're messing with this camber. They know that they're they're messing with these air pressures. Um, So they make a little sturdier tire. I mean, this week coming up, you watch at Talladega, um, you're going to see teams maybe change two tires once or twice and that's it, you know, because they just, you know, they can't bring a softer tire to someplace like that and have an issue, you know, because it collect the whole field, you know, it's just such a technical issue. So again, I can, I can understand why, and I don't want to offend anybody by calling somebody a casual fan, but you know, compared to probably, 
you know, what you and I do, who I feel like we kind of live and breathe NASCAR almost 24 hours a day, you're going to get a different perspective and you, you kind of pick up on some of the technical things, you know, Todd Gordon's on a radio show, Ryan's former crew chief, and he's talking about this situation. He's saying the same things, you know, it's team pushing the limits on camber and pushing limits on tire pressure. And he actually made the point that, you know, with cars this year, with the independent rear suspension, they actually gain camber in the turns mm-hmm. uh, with the way the suspension is set up. Um, we had, uh, so that's going to exacerbate uh, the issue that they were having uh, by pushing the envelope in the first place, because, mm-hmm. you know, they have a camber setting on the car, but, you know, they actually get down into the load and the turn and, and the camber actually, you know, they gain camber, which wasn't necessarily helping with these tire problems. Um, you mentioned crew chiefs kind of getting on Twitter and kind of trying to throw out some solutions there. Rodney Childers, you know, had a pretty lengthy post saying the same thing. He said the same thing, you know, it's pushing the envelope on camber, pushing the envelope on tire pressures. Um, and then he also brought up the fact that NASCAR, I believe it's, it's called a shock stop. Uh, they have a rule for the setting on the shock uh, that, that affects how the car, you know, loads into a corner. Mm-hmm. And he kind of feels like if they would loosen up that rule or take the rule away completely, then teams wouldn't be relying so much on air pressures to get the car lower to the ground to get more downforce. He actually said they might actually pump up the air pressures if they could get rid of this, the shock rule. Uh, Travis Mack, you know, kind of gets into the conversation. That's crew chief for uh, Daniel Suarez. He kind of says, yeah, we could do that, but then are we just going to, you know, we're crew chiefs, you know, we're trying to find speed. How low are we going to go now? Are we just going to start tearing up these underbodies of the car? that are very, very expensive. So I can see where, you know, NASCAR has put the teams into a box, but NASCAR is also in a box when they're trying to implement these rules. And I don't want to say they can just throw more rules at it to solve the problem, but it might be a situation where they do. They might have to implement some sort of a camber rule. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to see that again. I don't, and I don't even know if that's the right thing to do, but I'm trying to, you know, think of some sort of a solution because it doesn't necessarily sound like the shock thing and unless they maybe loosen it up a little bit and not just take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if camber, a camber rule might be able to do it, I, I'm not hundred percent sure. So I'll leave that to the experts to figure out again. Um, the biggest thing I hate seeing is that, you know, this car's junk, you know, uh, what a disaster this next gen car has been all the way up until this race or really up until the playoffs, everyone's been talking about how amazing the car with, you know, it's leveled the playing field, um, there are some very serious issues that they do appear to have when it comes to driver impacts. So I don't want to sugarcoat that. I think they do need to figure out some way to address that because, you know, you don't want to see Ryan or anybody get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, They pointed out the fact, you know, I said it earlier, the 48 car said that was one of the hardest hits of his career and the car, you know, barely had a scratch on it. Uh, until he, I think he wrecks again, but you know, early on, early on in that race, it just kept motoring on like a tank. And that's actually one thing when you talked about the old car, the old car would disintegrate. And they used to say how amazing that was, you know, man, that accident looked like it was horrible. Uh, but the car disintegrated because it took all the shock away. So you're not seeing that with the carbon fiber body. You're not seeing that with the way the front clip and rear clip are set up with this car. So um, we can go on a tangent all the time, but man, I just hate hearing the, oh, the car is junk. This car has been amazing mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to competition this year. And, um, uh, you know, right before we went on today, um, uh, the track house racing owner, Justin Marks put out a tweet. Um, he's a lot like Brad Keselowski and some of these other guys, really super smart guy. Um, puts out a tweet as an owner saying, you know, 
this is the first year for this car. You know, this is a learning process. Um, we need to work through this. And this is coming as an owner that's spending way more money than budgeted this year. So I, I you know, if a car owner is saying that, I, I'm still I'm still behind this. I think the car has been, been great so far. They just need to, they've got some things they need to tweak. And what else did you expect? Name a generation of cup car that's come out in the last 20 years where they didn't tweak on it uh, for the next couple of years after it came out. Yeah. So, you know, onward, onward and upward, you know, this, uh, this week's over with we're on to the next week uh, eyes forward. Now. Um, I think we got, uh, got everything out of the weekend. We could pretty much, you know, so speaking of onward and upward, uh, Ryan is onward and upward in the point standing. So why don't we go ahead and bring, uh, your playoff grid board up onto the screen for everybody to take a look at, um, some huge swings in the point standings here. And one thing to think about is the fact that, you know, Chase Elliott came into this race, huge cushion, uh, the 20 and the 48 were like the stars of the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you could run folks through what has happened now. Uh, but with the attrition that happened at this race at Texas, uh, those three specifically took a huge hit in points and, uh, the implications of Ryan winning a stage there, uh, vaulted him up a little bit higher too. Not super comfortable, but a lot better than he was. Well, here's the first thing to point out. Um, the winner of the race, another non-playoff driver, somebody who's no longer in the playoffs. So yeah. right off the bat, we, we, you know, somebody in the next round is not going to have those five bonus points either, um, which is, is, is kind of interesting because usually at this point, you know, you've gotten guys, you know, the, if you win one of these three races, you're into the next round no matter what. Plus you're getting five bonus points to start the next round with to add to your totals. So that hasn't happened. Um, the, uh, the, the 22 car ran a consistent day getting stage points and then finishing second. And once again, he's all the way up to 30th. And then, uh, you know, that can change within a week too, as, as you know, what, uh, Chase Elliott had a big point lead to start the round. And now he's only four points above the cut line. Um, Ryan gets 10 points for finishing, you know, first in stage two, um, he's 15 points above the cut line. Well, 10 of those 15 points happened right there. Um, finishing fourth was a good finish, you know, compared to some of the other guys. Uh, so he's gapped himself a little bit, but it's interesting though. It's, you've got the one car, the 24, the five, the, tw uh, the 12, all 18, 17, 16, and 15 points above the cut line. So they're all within a point of each other. So this is the, man, the closest yeah. it's ever been in this era. It's just kind of insane. And a lot of it has to do with what you just said. The fact that the eight car went to victory lane and nobody gets those five bonus points. Ryan came into this race at plus four to the cut. And now you've got two new drivers sitting there at plus four to the cut in the 99 in the nine car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the cut line, this is what makes Talladega so wild and such a wild card. The same thing that happened at Daytona, anything can happen, whether you're in the lead or in the back, you know, this is another yeah. thing. Everybody's like, well, you want to stay out of the hornet's nest. Well, uh, you need to race for stage points. First off you need to, you know, and then you need to finish the race, just finish it, let alone, you know, in the top 20 or whatever. So these 12 guys, you know, if you're the 14 car, the two car that, you know, definitely if you're, <laughs> the 20 or the 48 now, cause they're, you know, 29 and 30 points below that cut line. They need stage points big time. Yep. Uh, and they need to win the race really if they can. But if you're anybody near that cut line, you know, you, you know, you're racing for the stage win 
and racing for the win in itself. Of course, everybody's racing for the win at the end, but those end of the stages are going to be interesting because do you, you know, you want to get in the middle of the hornet's nest, you know, the end of stage one at Daytona there, uh, this past summer, Ryan was up there. He was in the top five when all that happened. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate and they did, did this heroic thing they did to make the playoffs, but, um, you know, right now, do you look at that that way? You, you know, I mean, you kind of have to still race for stage points because it is so close. You know, if the one car and the 24 car and the five car are all going to be up there, you should be up there too. So I think they're pretty good at plate racing to begin with. Um, but point wise, this weekend is, is huge. Um, seeing the nine car drop down like that all the way to four points above the cut line. He can't afford a mistake now, you know, nope. he has, he has a bobble or he has an accident early in another race. And then, you know, then he would have to win that last race at the Roval. Um, but, uh, you, you look around and actually there's a bunch of good road course guys here as far as that goes too. Cause Cindric is the same thing. Cindric could be below that cut line after this weekend and still go out and win the Roval <laughs> next week too. So, um, yeah, this weekend is a lot of fun. I can't wait till Sunday. I, I always love Talladega to begin with, uh, but the point situation being the way it is now, and it, I'm glad we do this point point uh, board now. I'm glad we put this together. Uh, my wife's handwriting is uh, so much so, so much better than the first one we did. Um, uh, she she actually grabbed it last night right away after the race and and made sure it was done right. Um, and uh, you know, it's at 15 points. I'd love to see that grow. Um, the big thing is gapping it. Like you've got three guys below you. Now you've got fourth underneath the cut line, but you've got three guys below you. Now the 11 car, the 99 car, the nine car, you're kind of racing with those guys too, to make sure they stay below you. You know, and you get more stage points than them. All of a sudden, you know, you gain on the cut line and you've moved them down a little lower, you know, and then of course the end of the race, you know, so uh, let's just go win Talladega and get it over with, you know? So speaking of Talladega, we're headed to there, Talladega, Alabama for the Yellowwood 500 this Sunday, October 2nd, Talladega Super Speedway. Catch the race at 2 p.m. Eastern time on NBC and on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They're going to have practice and qualifying uh, relatively early on Saturday, and then the race is on just, Sunday. Just qualifying. Oh, that's sorry. Oh, gosh, that's why. That's yeah. probably why it's early. Nope. Otherwise, it's practice. practice. Yes. Yeah, just qualifying. Okay, so let's go out there, get your lap in. And once again, they for all I care, they could cancel this. You know, <laughs> they could just rain it out. It wouldn't matter one bit. Um, do it by the owner's points, do it by the matrix, whatever, because you know, drop of the green flag. Um, guys will move around to where they need to be and, and so forth. Uh, plate racing, you know, or tapered spacer racing. Um, <laughs> the, the only ones that matter, I think, um, I don't know if it's the truck series or the, or the Xfinity, but somebody has extra cars where somebody will get bumped out based yeah. on qualifying. So that, that I understand that you want to do qualifying for that, that reason. Um, but uh, as far as the cup series, I think it's 37 entries. So, you know, let's yeah, take Take a look at Ryan's statistics. Obviously, he's a prolific uh, super speedway, tapered spacer, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, racer with with three victories to his name on those types of tracks. Uh, so, at, and at Talladega, honestly, average finish sixteen point nine. That's fairly decent uh, when it comes to one of one of these races. He had does have three crashes at Talladega and an engine failure uh, that has taken him out of races in the past. He's got two wins there back to back in the fall of uh, 2019, the spring 2020, uh, three top fives, 
five top tens, uh, 197 laps led. And like I said, those four DNFs. Now here is something uh, that broke today, Monday, as you know, before we were recording um, team Penske went ahead and uh, waived their appeal. So we thought that they, that there's a possibility that they could do this, that they'll put the appeal in delay it. So obviously Hassler, the Jackman and the rear tire changer could uh, participate to Texas. And soon as Monday rolls around, they withdraw it. So on the box for Ryan Blaney, um, this, this week at Talladega is going to be Miles Stanley. He is a Team Penske engineer, most recently uh, with Harrison Burton in the 21 team. But um, if anyone's familiar with Miles Stanley, it's the fact that he was uh, a longtime race engineer with Todd Gordon. So he was with Ryan for a couple of years in the 12 car. So he was the race engineer for the 12 car all year long last year um, and then went over back to over to the 21 when when Hassler came over mm-hmm. to the 12. So um, other thing to point out is the fact that he is experienced in these uh, next couple of races that are set up in the playoffs. So when Austin Sindrick made his starts in the 33 car for Penske last year, Miles Stanley was the crew chief. Uh, a couple of those races included Talladega and the Roval. So um, I think this is a really good move by Team Penske. Um, it's a familiar face for Ryan, somebody that, you know he saw for a couple of years as his race engineer. And uh, it's a guy that's coming in with some experience. And a bonus is the fact that Miles Stanley uh, attended uh, – uh, the University of Akron and is a native of Akron, Ohio, yes. uh, which is, you know, 30, 40 minutes away uh, from the Blaney families out there in, in Hartford, Ohio. So yeah. has he's the Ohio a, connection. He's a zip. He's a zip. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows what that is. Uh, it's the University of Akron's nickname. They're the zips. So I, I don't know, I don't Steve. Know. I think this is a, it's a really good move. You know, I was wondering, we were wondering whether, uh, whether or not, uh, I think it's uh, Tony Palmer. That's the race engineer for the 12 car right now, whether he was going to be elevated up to being the crew chief. Um, but they go ahead and make this decision to bring miles over. And uh, I think it brings some experience from last year, brings a familiar face and a little bit of consistency to this 12 team. Now I'm pretty sure that Jonathan Hassler is going to be running the race operations from Mooresville uh, back mm-hmm. at the team Penske shop. So yeah. he's still probably going to be very involved in the strategy and everything that happens at Talladega. Um, and the problem, maybe more so the Roval, but um, just wanted to give people an update on what happened with the withdrawal of the appeal. And then who's going to be calling the shots from the top of the pit box for Ryan Blaney this weekend. I always, I think it's funny how they always say uh, they're on vacation. They're going to be taking a full <laughs> vacation. No, 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 no. I'm sure he's at work uh, today. He's probably there right now still working, doing something, figuring out something on the car, making it faster, getting a trimmer, doing something to make sure that they're set up right for qualifying, whatever it is. He, you know, his job doesn't change just because he's not going to be able to go to the track. Um, I'm sure that, you know, the hard work is still being put in and, uh, and being done, Uh, you know, and maybe his, uh, you know, maybe there's some top secret guys going to be working on the car this week too. Who knows? Some, some some guy named Jacques. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. Keep an eye on social media this week. Maybe Jacques will make an appearance. Worth noting the fact that um, so along with Jonathan Hassler, the Jackman and the rear tire changer are also on suspension for the next four races. So we're bringing over Jordan Ozinski and Justin Previtt. Uh, hopefully I've pronounced those at least close to what their names are. Uh, the Jackman and the rear tire changer coming over from the 21 car as well uh, with Miles. So. Um, we're not, uh, this is kind of a tough 
part of the year. The other two Team Penske cars are in the playoffs, so there's not really much crew members that they can move around. I believe they have the 21 car and the 38 or 34 car over front row that they supply um, pit crews to. Yeah, I think it's 38. Um, So once again, we'll go back to the idea of why they, you know, did the did appealed so they could wait a week. Okay, so now you go to Talladega. Now it gave you an extra week to work on these things. You knew that the appeal, even if you lost, even if they went forward with the appeal this week and lost the appeal, you know, okay. So you know what you're going to have to deal with. Well, it gave them that extra week to set this up. Who knows? These guys may have been practicing with them last week just to get, you know, to get the timing and start getting the timing together. But Talladega is the type of place where depending on um, where cautions fall, uh, you may not do a live pit stop, a, a, a green flag pit stop all day. You may not. Usually you do usually do one or two, but a lot of times those, those uh, pit stops are um, two tires or no tires. They're, they're, they're gas only. They're basically to keep up with all the other guys, all the other Fords who come to pit road the same time you do so that you all go back out in a pack. So the only thing that can happen, and this could happen, whether it's the old pit, you know, the other pit crew guys, these pit crew guys is a bobble of some sort between um, getting the fuel in and two tires, maybe, and the driver losing the pack. Uh, whether you came to pit road and didn't go, you know, slow down fast enough, took a penalty, things like that, spun around 180 coming to pit road. Happened. <laughs> Winning happened. on a Monday. Winning on a Monday. Which so, could happen again here. That's right. So um, that's the thing to look out for is that this whole thing with the, the suspension of the guys and waiting a week and making it wait a week. It was a good idea just for that. Um, they'll be able to work with these guys and don't get me wrong. They're, they're going to do a great job. I'm sure. But the chances of doing a green flag pit stop are maybe two of them all race, maybe three tops. If it happens at all, um, you know, the stage breaks, they'll make their pit stops. I'm sure. Um, or maybe they'll stay out for track position. Who knows how it's going to work depending on fuel and depending on where the cautions fall. So, you know, it works out good that way. And same thing with the Roval. You may only get three to four pit stops during the Roval, the way they race that race. So once again, it was a good, good idea to do what they did and it worked out really well. And I'm sure withdrawing the appeal was, is fine now. So, uh, you know, onward, upward, and let's have a great weekend, you know, Talladega. One other thing I wanted to mention, uh, strategy wise, or maybe even race, what race craft wise, all three Penske cars still in the active in the playoffs here. So there's not maybe, you know, Harrison Burton's the fourth satellite car, mm-hmm. uh, but there's not really that like, Oh, you know, Joey's just going to do his best to push Ryan to a win, or, you know, Ryan's going to, you know, Ryan's out. So he's going to push Joey to a win or, uh, Cindric. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we, <laughs> we, do you really, you, you, I assume the, they'll still all work together and it's still going to mm-hmm. be about as cutthroat as it usually is on the final lap. Uh, but yeah. do you think that, you know, it changes their strategy all the, at all, the fact that all three of them are still in the playoffs? No, I mean, it's exactly what you want. Um, you want to make sure all three of them are in there together at the end of each stage. Stage one, stage two, let's see three Penske cars up near the front so they all get some stage points, get themselves positioned good for the end of the race. Um uh, the only guy that really, really, like I said, really statistically needs to win the race right now would be Cindric, you know, the way it's looking. So, you know, Ryan gets good stage points in stage one, stage two, um, gets himself in good position above that cut line um, and let her rip, you know, let's see what we can do. 
So again, if you want to catch this race, it's the Yellowwood 500 this Sunday, October 2nd, Talladega Super Speedway, 2 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR radio. And watch the weather. Uh, a lot of us down here in Florida are getting ready to batten down the hatches as Hurricane yeah. Ian approaches the Gulf Coast. Um, there's a potential, depending on how fast this storm moves, that some of the rain bands from the storm could impact the racing there in Alabama. So uh, just keep watch. Who knows? It could it could sweep right through. It could go through Florida in a different direction and miss miss some of that that spots. But um, as you just said, or as I just said, you know, Ryan's won a race uh, on a Monday at Talladega before. So why don't he just he can just go out there and do it again? Yeah. All right, Steve, I think it's about that time we go ahead and take a look at the results from this past week of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League when it comes to picking our drivers and our lineups and our bonus picks for the race at Texas. Uh, my starting lineup, you know, I overall had a really stacked lineup here. Uh, Denny Hamlin got me 36 points, Logano 46 points, Kyle Larson 38 points, Blaney 43 points, Suarez 38 points, uh, here's kind of the funny thing. And honestly, it didn't really hurt me that much. I, uh, Tyler Reddick didn't get stage points, uh, pretty much, uh, all race long. And I swapped, uh, Reddick and Suarez right at the, uh, right at the end of stage two <laughs> and, uh, Reddick goes on to win this race, but, uh, Tyler got 40 points. Suarez got me 38 points. So it was really only a two point, uh, swing there. Um, my featured matchups, I picked Ryan over Chris Busher. That was right. I picked Chase Elliott over Joey Logano. That was wrong. I picked Kyle Larson over Chastain. That was right. And then I went ahead and picked Christopher Bell over Hamlin. Uh, that was wrong. <laughs> what were you, you? So, I mean, really solid lineup for me. And I actually finished, I think, pretty decent in the points earned for the week. Um, yeah. What was your lineup looking like? Yeah, I had that situation yeah, where I should have moved somebody out of the garage from in the garage because I had Christopher Bell and I had Chase mm. Elliott in my lineup. Ah. And, uh, yeah, but I was, uh, I get too busy. <laughs> I just do. I'm too busy with what I got going on and listening to Scanner, writing notes. I have six pages of notes I just went through. Um, so, yeah, I, I just didn't get to, to make the change. I had um, I had Ryan over Busher. I had Chase over Joey. I had Larson over Chastain. I had Hamlin over Bell. So I got a couple extra, extra points in there, but uh, I had Ryan in the garage actually, and moving him out of the garage would have been another 30 points <laughs> when I look at it. So, oops. Um, I, you know, I just, nothing I can do about that. I, I just don't think to look when it happens. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not paying attention, but I've got so many other things I'm looking at that I just kind of, I lose track of that, unfortunately. It's okay. You have all those excuses, and then you still beat me most of the time. So what's that say about yeah. me? Uh, who's mm -hmm. just sitting there nonchalantly enjoying the race while you're feverishly <laughs> taking notes? Um, so let's go over the top 10 in points earned this past week at Texas Motor Speedway for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. In the 10th position, Cool Guy 2K, 239 points. Tied for 8th, we have Eric D15 and Blaney Kicks Beep with 241 points. Seventh, JD Racing, 243 points. Sixth, Bulldog, 0277, 244. Fifth, Go 12 Go, 247. Fourth, Defending Champion, Clyde's Chicken Bit Racing, 249. Third, Allison C, 250. And we had a tie for first this past week with Factory of Sadness, six. And two Bushes, no Johnsons, 251 points earned. Let's take a look now at the playoff standings. So these are the points earned only in the playoff races so far this season. 
Um, I did want to mention in, in points earned last week, I finished 17th and you finished like 53rd yeah. or something. So I was only about 10 points out of the top 10. So and that, and that 30 points would have only got me up to like 36 to 37th. So yeah. Yeah, I had two guys that crashed out and you can't replace two guys. <laughs> so top 10 in the team blading NASCAR fantasy live league playoff standings in the 10th position, Bulldog 0277. 824, just one point up in the ninth position. Blaney's Daisy, 825. At eighth, Al- Alyssa C, 832. Six, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing and Fry Gal 12 are tied at 840. Man, this is really tight here. Fifth, JD Racing, 841. Fourth, Factory of Sadness, 6, 862. Go 12, go in third with 875. No hesitation, 878. And then here's a little bit distance put on by the leader right now in the playoff standings for Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League in the first position, Moose, 1616. If we take a look at where you're at, you've fallen. Uh, you were in the top 10, I think, at one point during the playoffs, but you've fallen to the 23rd position with 765 points. And I'm not sure. Yeah, you moved up. You're 13th. Oh gosh, see, I was all the way down to the bottom. That's why (laughs) I've moved into a into a tie. I moved into a tie for the 13th position with 804 points. Hot on your heels. Hot on your heels too. That's right. My wife wife is two points behind, and we are just uh, 20 points out of the top 10 right now. So that's pretty impressive. I usually say I tend to heat up when it comes to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I don't know what clicks. Maybe it's just having all those picks again, and I finally Mm -hmm. decide to start using good guys. But um. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? Let's take a look now at the overall standing. So our third list that we go through each week, rounding out in the 10th position, Rogue Tough with 54.98. In ninth, the Dalai Lama 4, 5,538. In 8th, Blaney Kicks Beep, 5,542. In 7th, Eric D15, 5,562. 6th, Moose Hunter 1960, 5,591. Fifth, Math Mom 4, slipping a little bit here after she led a majority of the season, 5,609 points. Uh, fourth, Factory of Sadness 6, 5,636. Third, JD Racing, 5,639. Second, Fry Gal 12, 5,693. And here we go, setting it up again. In the first position, the defending champion, the team leading NASCAR Fantasy Live League, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing has taken over the top spot for potentially the first time this year, potentially the first time since the really early stages of the year, 5,710 points for Clyde chicken pit racing, who is the leader in the overall standings for the team playing NASCAR fantasy live league. So Steve going into this race at Talladega, um, I lineups for Talladega are usually pretty crazy. Um, (laughs) I, I don't usually like to use some guys that maybe I would need later on, but now that we've, been refilled with all of those picks pretty recently i might put some more heavy hitters out there but you have guys like keselowski you have guys like busher um that you might want to drop into your lineup guys like stenhouse who you know maybe that that theory is dropping off a little bit since he won those those couple of plate races back there with rush fenway um a lot ty dylan you know he's a pretty decent plate racer austin dylan obviously went out and won daytona uh, Tyler Reddick, who pushed Austin Dillon to the win at Daytona. Um, a lot of those guys might show up on my lineup. Yeah, I, Stenhouse is an interesting one, you know, just because I, I like to see Doherty uh, racing win something. Uh, uh, it's always great when you hear Brad on the broadcast uh, talking about his driver and how excited he is. Uh, 
it's it's good to see they're still surviving as a, as a, as a program in the sport, and to, to get them a win would be huge, no matter you know what type of win it is. Um, Corey LaJoy would be a great weekend story, oh, you know. True. We, you know, let's get, an, let's get another winner. That's uh that hasn't won yet this year. That one of those guys would be super. One of those it can't two. be the 12. If it can't be the 12, it, the seven car 12. would be great. Well, here's another thing on social media. The, the couple people this past week started doing that whole scenario that I came up with a month ago. Um, you can go back <laughs> and check our podcasts, but I'm the one that uh, about first. a month ago, I was first on this. I really had this idea about Ryan, getting his way all the way to the final four without winning a race. And then from there, who knows and whatever, but um, you know, he could win the last one or, you know, have a non-playoff winner win the last one and finish second and be that guy who won the championship without winning a race. That would be just amazing. It would blow everybody's mind and tick off a lot of people, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but I had an idea, I had this idea a while ago and uh, it's great social media. Some people picked up on that. I like, go, oh, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be amazing? You know, all these winners. And now, now we having non-playoff uh, winners win the races in the playoffs and a guy like Ryan, you know, when they reset the points each round, you know, nobody is gaining that extra five, six bonus points, you know, five from a win and maybe a stage win or two, you know, when they reset the rounds last year, they're resetting the round, every round they reset, um, Larson had five more bonus points, you know, so he was just growing and growing a lead where if he crashed two races in a row, it wouldn't have mattered. All he had to do is have a good finish in the third race, you know? Um, so yeah, this, this, um, this weekend's lineup, um, could could have one of those guys that hasn't won yet ryan and truex they keep pointing out truex too truex hasn't won a race yet and uh truex could you know has finished up up high in a lot of these these plate races um i i see the fords working together really well uh the toyotas it's a little bit more scattershot now because there's there's a couple of the toyos not in the playoffs and there's a couple people with different agendas now and uh, although they'll go with team orders a guy like kyle bush is a wild card right now you know and he doesn't have to play by the team rules anymore because he knows he's somewhere else next year. And um, he doesn't necessarily have to play nice with others anymore. Kind of, kind of a little bit scary on what might end up happening with, with a guy like him in the middle of the race. Uh, maybe he'll pit with some other people when he's not supposed to or something. You know what I mean? It's just, it just could be kind of, kind of weird with that, that situation. And the, the, the Gibbs Toyotas, you know, being knocked, two of them being knocked out of the playoffs by this point is something unusual for them too. Usually they've got at least three and sometimes all four of them still at this point. So um, the the 20 and the 11 need that help from the other guys. The 45 is the guy I'd really like to see. I'd like to see Bubble win another one um, because they're, they're racing for owner's points. People keep yeah. forgetting. Technically, he's a playoff driver right now. Um, he's not a playoff driver driving for the player, for the uh, driver's championship, but he is a playoff driver driving for the owner's championship. And the, uh, the, the, the 2311, uh, program, uh, would really love to see that money. Even if they were to go finish fifth in the owner's points by the end of the year, um, that's a huge difference in money as compared to where Ryan is finishing going to finish 17th in owner's points, no matter what happens. So, um, you know, really, really like to see, uh, Bubba have that kind of thing and, and that kind of success, not only for himself, but for, uh, 2311 racing too. So, um, yeah, this weekend can be crazy, crazy because it, you know, you only got 12 guys in the playoffs now. So there's 30, uh, you know, 20 some other guys who can win the race that are non playoff guys. So 
see what happened to your point about bringing up your Ryan winning the championship without winning a race. Ryan did a lot of uh, interviews Sunday ahead of this Mm -hmm. race. He was on Mm -hmm. with Fox and their pre-race show, which happened really early in the day. And then he also did the front of the grid with Jeff Burton and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And one of those two interviews, I can't remember which one this was, this scenario was brought up and they said, Ryan, you know, have you thought about the fact that you could go out and win the championship without winning a race? And how would you feel about that? And Ryan just immediately before, I think even they were done asking the question said, I want to win. I want to win a race. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so he it's, you know, it's not exactly something that, that he yeah. wants to see happen. I don't think any driver uh, wants to see uh, winning, winning the championship without winning a race. Heck, I even think Matt Kenseth, you know, he, when he won his championship, he just won one race that whole season. and was kind of, you know, upset with the fact that they were only able to get that one, one victory in the first place. So uh, Ryan wants to win. There's a lot of drive there where he wants to win. Yeah. There's, it's interesting because yeah, you have all these different winners this year and he's not one of them yet. So everybody's kind of like, yeah, how come, why not this and that blame this guy, blame that guy. We're going to blame the pit crew. We're going to blame the the, the driver. We're going to blame the, the, uh, the, the, the crew chief, but the reality is, is they were third in the points coming into the playoffs. They got through the first round. They're deep into the, you know, the end of the second round, they've got a good leap on the, so everything is actually doing really well. You know, everything is heading in the right direction. Everything is heading the way it needs to, to be a championship contender. So, uh, you know, how you do it, you know, style points is nice. You know, you, you really would like to see it be like last year when Larson won in this round, then on to the next round, wins another one in that round, on to the next round, wins another one in that round, all the way to the championship. That's the way you ultimately would love to do it. You'd love to be dominant. But you know what? This season has not been a season of dominant drivers. Nope. You know, there's only been two or three guys that have won more than one race. You know, so, you know kind of like moving your way along and, and getting the, the finishes you need to get and having the points you need to do and, and, and doing those things. It's kind of crafty. It's kind of uh, savvy and it's, it's really kind of cool to see that they're, they're doing a good job maneuvering. Has it been dramatic at times? Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> just, a <little. laughs> just a little bit, you know, those, those finishes um, at uh, Daytona and at Bristol, these last couple of weeks were hairy, but, they keep moving, you know, keep moving forward. So this week's another week of moving forward, you know, and they've, they're, they're definitely achieving some goals as they do it. Well, Steve, I think that mostly wraps up this episode of the team Blaney podcast, but I did want to give one uh, other note of news. And that's the fact that Dave Blaney, Dale Blaney, both competed in the season finale race at Sharon Speedway this past weekend. And it was a world of outlaws sanctioned race, uh, Dave went on to finish 11th and keep in mind, he won this race last year. That was a big win for Dave uh, winning a world of outlaws race for the first time in, you know, a couple decades, Dale Blaney, who's kind of come out of semi-retirement over mm-hmm. the last couple of months here, finishes 13th in the world of outlaw race. So again, that's up against, you know, the best sprint car drivers in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, both these guys qualifying into the race and finishing in the top 15 Brad sweet went on to uh, win the race, led all 35 laps it was his first win at Sharon speedway since 2012. And that came in the Lou Blaney Memorial. Uh, so shout out to those folks, uh, Dave and Dale, also Brad Sweet for picking up the victory there at Sharon Speedway. And congratulations to Sharon Speedway. We talked about it really early in the season on this podcast, how they had an unbelievable season of races on tap. 
between the all-star circuit of champions world of outlaws SRX series coming there with the national spotlight on them. So it was a historic season out there at Sharon Speedway. And I know a lot of our listeners were able to get out there and catch some really, really great racing. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing uh, people don't realize is uh, we do have a YouTube page and uh, you, you just released video when it was that yesterday you posted that video. Um, of our interview with Leah and the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and their upcoming uh, um, uh, walks to end Alzheimer's that they're going to be doing. So uh, check out our YouTube page. Uh, Ryan, uh, Adam posted the video there, I guess, I think on Sunday. And uh, also posted it to Facebook, correct? The Facebook page too. So um, check out those videos uh, if you get a chance. Uh, They're really cool because just the interview that we did a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, talking about the Ryan Bailey Family Foundation. That'll give you some info on the upcoming walks coming up here at the beginning of October. Yeah. And you're not familiar with Leah. She's been on the podcast a a few times. Uh, Leah is the daughter of the aforementioned Dale Blaney uh, National Sprint Car Hall of Famer. Thank you, everyone, once again, for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram at Team Don Blaney. And as Steve said, we also have a YouTube page where we post some of our episodes here and some other interviews. Finally, we want to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. Find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on any of their active social media channels. So, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. 